Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Ego Chow Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski and on today's episode uh, we're going to be talking about the latest qualifying matches in the Call of Duty League. We also have some Modern Warfare 2 uh, news to talk about, some pretty big news if you're really into Call of Duty like Bink is. Uh, we also have Vanguard perk changes that you know might spice up things, uh, and we're also going to give our predictions for the uh, final week of the major three qualifiers. Uh, but before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing all right. Uh, Yankees just gave up a three-run homer, so I was doing a little bit better a couple seconds ago, but it's all right. Yeah, so uh, I mean, we're not going to be talking about the Yankees, even though I I think they're doing pretty well. So at least you're in a generally good mood nowadays. But um, let's talk about the Modern Warfare Two stuff. Uh, today uh, we got dropped on us that Modern Warfare Two, the release date has uh, been officially announced. Um, they kind of blasted it all over social media, but uh, October twenty eighth, two thousand twenty two is the release date for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, um, the second one, because we've already done this like, like 10 years ago. But uh, Modern Warfare 2 will be uh, releasing on October 28th, which is a week earlier than Vanguard released in 2021. Um, you know, the 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 trailer, I, I don't know if it's a trailer, but like the, re the reveal video um, had a lot of the iconic MW characters like Captain Price, Soap, etc. Um, and in the video, there was J822, uh, which is probably the biggest news uh, other than the release date. Um, it seems to be a hint at the uh, gameplay reveal date, which would be June 8th, uh, 2022, which is just about two weeks away. Um, what do you take away from this video, like the reveal and everything? Um, obviously, we don't know a whole lot about the actual game itself, uh, but you know, did it get you hyped? Did did this video do what it was supposed to do for you? No, I mean, I think it, <laughs> it's, it's cool to have a release date, but it certainly wasn't like, you know, the gameplay trailer or anything like that. So certainly, you know, uh, not ecstatic about it or anything, but it is nice to have a release date now. Uh, you know, shout out youngest Jim. It's right around his birthday. So um, hopefully Mary Jim is able to game with the bros a little bit on uh, release weekend. But yeah, um, that's that's really. I think this is now the second COD. I should have looked this up before we went live. Um, I think this will be the second COD, including Black Ops Four, to go live in October as opposed to November. Um, I know Vanguard was early November, and I can't remember MW's Cold, release date. Cold War was November. Vanguard yeah. was November. Black Ops. For release date October. was October twelfth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, that was the earliest ever. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of cool. A little earlier than you know, a little earlier than usual, and a little earlier than the past one since Black Ops Four. Um, which if this, you know, there are the reports out there that this could be uh, the first time we don't have a year, yearly release the following year. So that would potentially um, give us even more time to play this game, hoping that it's a good game. And in theory too, with the late October launch, that could give the CDL more leeway to maybe do like a December start. Um, again, that's very being optimistic and having no idea if that's actually the case or not, but uh, you know, we can hope. Yeah. Um... 
I think that I, I mean I'm not excited about the game per se, but I'm excited about the hype that comes with this kind of season where we get into May, June, and July and all of these details and the the hype videos and the trailers, they come with these new games and everybody just gets excited about it, even though we've been let down so many times in the past, but I feel like it's nice to be hopeful um, and it's nice to at least think that maybe we could get something and especially uh, like you said, with this report that this is a two-year game essentially and that um, we'll have to be playing this or watching this be played uh, for the next two years instead of just the next year. We really need to hope that it's going to be a good game because a bad game that's played for two consecutive years, two consecutive CDL seasons potentially, like that's a really big thing. And uh, we would we would want to have um, a good game instead of, um, you know, kind of what we're having right now but uh you know that's that's here nor there i guess uh but yep so october 28 2022 is uh the release date for modern warfare 2 july or june 8th i guess it could be july 8th i'm not sure yeah. um people seem to think that was june 8th but so june or uh july 8th 2022 uh is the hinted uh gameplay reveal date so, um, you know, if you're looking forward to uh, the new Call of Duty game, I guess you're going to have to wait um, at least a few weeks at the very minimum. And I, uh, I will say, too, I'm yeah. sorry, what were you going to say? No, you're good. What were you saying? I was just going to say that, you know, obviously the, the yearly cycle of, you know, hints and leaks and stuff for the new COD and the community getting excited about the upcoming game, um, it's, it can be a little dangerous if you set expectations too high and especially with like a gameplay trailer like we've seen it before where you know there's a sick gameplay trailer and then the final product uh doesn't live up to the hype that those um that the, the trailer sets up so uh just fair warning that uh even if we do get this uh reveal trailer as early as june 8th potentially um we're still gonna have to temper our expectations and uh, wait till we actually get like a beta or something. Hopefully, in the fall, early fall. Hopefully, uh, let's get into this perk stuff real quick before we hop into the matches. Uh, because you actually wrote this article. It's up on dotesports.com. Uh, Ninja and Survival Training switch to perk three slot in Vanguard. Uh, I guess what is the significance of this? Um, at least like competitively. Yeah. So that's that's the main thing. Is that. Uh, previously, Ninja and Survival Training were both in uh, Perk 1 alongside Fortified. For those who don't know, Survival Training is essentially Tac Mask from previous CODs. It helps you against stuns and flashes, that stuff. Um, and Fortified is like Flak Jacket, so it helps you against nades and explosives. So, effectively, before the Perk 2 slot in Vanguard is just useless. There's no, like, actually uh, competitive viable perks or you just have i think it's called radar i'm pretty sure and it's just like there to exist in your custom class slot so before this update today you had to essentially choose between fortified ninja or survival training for your perk one perk two didn't matter and then perk three for the most part was double time which increases your uh the duration of like the tactical sprint mm -hmm. um you could run lightweight on perk three but i'm pretty sure like almost everybody just ran double time so it this this change just effectively switches that and now 
with ninja and survival training going to perk three it makes like fortified or flak jacket the like i don't want to say crutch perk but it's basically like the only option for perk one now and then perk three is going to be the one where you have to choose between double time ninja and survival training um so in theory you could run uh fortified and survival training in respawn now which would protect you against stuns and nades, but you would be loud because you wouldn't have ninja, um, unless you obviously have dead silence popped, which is the field upgrade, but you're still like not completely silent with that. Um, so you would be like, that'd be like a good OBJ potentially, but uh, the trade off there is you wouldn't have double time or lightweight, so you're slower, um, even with that stun um, protection. And then on the other hand, and it, it seemed like even before a lot of pros were using fortified and search and destroy regardless, but um, now they'll just always have that fortified on perk one and the trade-off will be if they want to run ninja or double time in search and destroy as well to potentially either have um, silent footsteps or get to like their spots and stuff quicker with mm -hmm. um, double time. So it, it could have significant impact on the competitive meta. It's, it's I feel like it's not a small change, um, but we're just going to have to see. Uh, I'm not sure, obviously, because this, like the season three reloaded, like the halfway update of season three goes live tomorrow. This change went live today, though, in Vanguard. But obviously, we don't know like what patch um, the pros are playing on. So I would assume this wouldn't be in effect until after major three but stranger things have happened in call of duty and you know they could be playing on this patch uh with the new perk slot allocation as early as this weekend so um obviously like the perks themselves didn't change and what they do it's just the slot that you can put them in in your class um so it's again not like game breaking changes but it could have um an impact on competitive play most notably and uh that's what i'll be keeping my eyes on to see if any of the pros uh have a reaction to that or anything like that moving forward yep uh we'll keep an eye on it uh we have more matches uh the final 10 qualifying matches heading into major three this coming week uh but let's talk about the this past weekend uh the matches that we uh that we watched um these were the the bounty matches so there was like extra money involved and uh, it was just kind of a you know a gimmick to get more people excited about it maybe it, it's always fun to give people money i guess if you know you're the league so uh that's how it works this weekend uh we had 10 matches starting on friday uh, may 20th we had boston versus london minnesota versus toronto and florida versus lag uh let's start at the top boston versus london uh both of us picked a boston for this because london didn't look great um in their first week uh, with Gizmo out of the roster and Harry in the roster. And uh, Boston, uh, the Breach ended up winning 3-1. And uh, we had another full sale, which is probably the most notable thing about this. Um, I don't know how... Is that the second or third this season that we've had? Because we... I guess technically in the season, we only had this one probably, right? I know there was another one that happened. I can't remember it was who it the was. the and... Pro-Am... It was LA Thieves versus Minnesota, New York. New York. Yeah, New, New York. No, it was New York, LAT, and yeah. LAT lost it. Um, but technically, not during the season, so didn't actually count. There we go. Regardless, full sale yeah. is a full sale. Um, but yeah, that, that's the major takeaway. 
for this series in my eyes at least especially um you look at the map breakdowns it was uh game one on uh i don't know what map it is i'm trying to blank but um the first hard point of this series london took it uh 250 to 176 and you know you think london has a 1-0 advantage there and they uh, go up 5-0 in the game two search. Like you think momentum is completely on their side. They're one round away from going up 2-0 in the series, one map away from a much needed victory for them. And then they get full sail, lose complete momentum and lose the next two maps to lose the series. So, um, you know, as we always talk about, you know, search and destroy is super important. And uh, Boston was able to pull off a big comeback here to eventually give them the momentum to take the whole series. It was a Gavutu hard hard point to kick off yeah. the series that they lost. Um, I'm kind of worried about London. Uh, we, you know, we we obviously picked against them a lot, uh, pretty much for the first two stages, and then I got comfortable. Okay, like I can pick London; they're pretty good. And now they're um, they're kind of struggling. They are one and two in these qualifying match in this set of qualifying matches, with their lone win being a game five win over Paris, who are bad so i mean i don't know how how much we can really take out of that um or like how they really stack up against some of the better teams considering they lost to lat in a sweep and then they've lost to boston so far um they're so I, i'm looking at their stats for this set of qualifying matches only uh because this is a, a new roster with harry so you know a little bit of a different dynamic they're one and four on hard point two and two in search and one and two in control so like nothing really stands out as like being very good at um like we saw with lag at the the last major um but hard point one and four so they're one and two on gavutu and oh and two on tuscan so far um I'm not sure if that that just comes down to Gizmo, um, you know, just being a better fit for their team, like their team dynamic or something like that, because um, it just, I don't know, like it's it's very weird, even especially when we saw Paul X come into this lineup and see how kind of seamless the team seemed to, to be with uh, Paul instead of Gizmo. It just seemed a little odd to me, at least that the same thing or maybe something even similar happened with Harry. It just seems to be a little harder of a, a transition. Um, why do you think that is? I don't really know. I, I think if I had the answer, potentially London would too. So not really sure. Um, honestly, like even I, I didn't really watch too much of the Proium Classic like we talked about. So didn't really get to see Harry there. And I still feel like I haven't really seen too much of him to – uh, enough of him to really judge anything. So I guess um, the unfortunate circumstances surrounding London kind of, you know, reminiscent of what we saw last year with them having to go through changes, deal with visa issues, etc. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different in this situation with uh, personal issues for Gizmo, but uh, end of the day seems to be another, you know, crappy hand dealt to London. We'll just have to see how they deal with it. Yeah, so I, I was just, uh, while you're talking, I was looking up their stats um, in each game mode before uh, the Pro-Am Classic. So not including the Pro-Am Classic, not including the Kickoff Classic, and not including Harry uh, right now in these last three matches. Um, so in the in those maps, uh, I guess Paul X is included in this, but 19 and 11 in hard point 
over those games, 10 and 10 in search, 8 and 9 in control. So Hardpoint was by far their their best um their best game mode of the three um you know they were so they're like an instant ban uh desert siege uh hardpoint team and uh, their best map has been berlin and they haven't played that uh in this stage of qualifying matches but even then they were six and four on gavutu hardpoint six and three on tuscan um so i i, I gotta think that there's uh you know just a hard transition for them to to get acclimated with harry at this point uh but the good thing is uh for them at least that they did so well in the first two stages of the qualifying matches and in the majors that it's not as big of a burden on them that if they do poorly in stage three it's not like a paris situation where paris kind of needs to win now just to try to get into the top eight london has a little bit of cushion where if this transition takes an entire stage maybe they don't do well at the major it's not that big of a deal because they can you know kind of figure it out hopefully get a top four spot and at very least get a top eight spot so um you know, I think uh, looking on the bright side of things, it that could be uh, pretty helpful for London just to, you know, not panic as they get near the end of the season. Um, but yeah, they lost their, uh, I believe this was their only match of the week. Um, so th they're one and two uh, in the stage, but uh, still you know, sitting uh, rather well in the overall standings. Uh, the next match of the week was Minnesota versus Toronto. Uh, we both picked Minnesota. I don't think that we've really bought into uh, Toronto. They kind of seem to be a little bit uh, back to form in a, a, a minor way, I guess, last week, but they didn't show up. Um, they, they weren't able to clutch up, excuse me. Uh, they lost 3-2 to Minnesota, and uh, Havoc really has... Uh, he popped off in the series 41 and 21 in uh, the second hard point in game four and he dropped 13 in map five to complete the reverse sweep uh, Minnesota just looking uh, honestly incredible considering how mediocre they were heading into the to the halfway point in the season um, what do you think about uh, the rocker and their kind of sudden revival now that havoc has come into this roster yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure if we should still consider it a honeymoon phase or not because obviously they played at the program classic mm -hmm. and they didn't do the best. Um, but I mean four zero is four zero. They I I think not to spoil what happens later in the week, but um, this would have made them three and zero at the time. And um, regardless, now they're four and zero. And have a 12 and 3 map count, so you you can't discredit them. Like obviously, we'll talk about Optic uh, a little later, but Optic is 3 and 0, and they have a 9 and 1 map count. So it's like two impressive. The the two teams that are sitting undefeated right now in this set of qualifiers both have uh, pretty eye opening uh, map counts. So um, I I don't know. It's it's certainly interesting. It was a reverse sweep, you know. Uh, Obviously, Major Maniac's not playing, but still shout out Major Maniac saying it's never chalked. And Minnesota is no stranger to reverse sweeps, let alone reverse sweeps against Toronto. So um, I guess I can't really be too surprised that was the end result of the series. But like you said, uh, Havoc really went off in map four and five in particular. And we also do have to point out Kleenex. Uh, the tissue was definitely an issue in map two, dropping 15 in the search to help Toronto go up 2-0 in the series, uh, despite that not, you know, 
helping them win in the end. Uh, Havoc, his his best attribute seems to be just like the the first bloods for to, for Minnesota. Uh, so in these four qualifying matches, obviously we'll we'll talk. I mean, we might as well just talk about the Florida game as well, right? As we're doing it, but you know, I'm lumping in the Florida game right now. Um, in those four qualifying matches, since Havoc has come into the roster, he has a first blood rate of thirty four thirty point four percent. So he has fourteen first bloods for his team. The other three players have 14 first bloods combined. So like it's a it's a pretty big thing. His aggression and being able to, you know, at least start off the round, even if he's getting traded, because um, you know, he is obviously usually when you get the first blood, you're probably uh you're probably gonna get the first death as well on your team. But just having that little bit of momentum or being able to get away with your life is really important and he seems to um have really added something to this team. They're uh, very strong in all four game modes so far. Uh, they're actually 4-0 in control. So, um, you know, that's probably the least important game mode of the three. But it is also the swing game mode. And it can really turn a series like it did in this one uh, with this reverse sweep. Um, so I, I'm really happy to see Havoc, uh, you know, seemingly finding a lot of success with Minnesota. Um, and, you know, they're 4-0. And, and uh, yeah, at this point, like you said, they were 3-0 and after beating Toronto. Um, who looked, um, you know, better than they had in the past uh, last week. So um, in the last game of, or the last match of Friday, we had Florida versus LAG. Uh, you went with LAG. I went with Florida. Um, you know, even uh, with Gunless coming back into the roster for the Gorillas, I wasn't feeling it. I, I wasn't completely bought in on uh, LAG, um, you know, I think there were three and O when gunless, uh, ended up uh, having to leave the roster and, um, deal with his illness. Uh, I wasn't completely sold on them. And even with the major stuff, like they looked really bad, uh, since the prom classic, um, and they, and they dropped this series three, one to, uh, the mutineers. Um, what did you think of gunless's return? Um, how do you think he looked and how did you, uh, think that they, they seem to mesh now that he's back in this roster. Not nothing major to note. Again, it is only just one series, but mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I I was kind of you know just on the prediction front, hoping for you know gunless pop off series in his return. Um, but obviously, you, if you look at the stats for this series, all four players on Florida were positive, all four players on Gorillas were negative, and that can be attributed you know to Florida winning three respawns, the only game. Uh, LAG won in this series was the search. It was a 6-5 on game two there. So, you know, technically speaking, LAG is still, um, I, I, I would have to look at the numbers post-major where they went through that little dip there, but, um, they're still winning a search, at least one search now with gunless and, you know, that swap again for gunless and sports. So, um, I, I guess that's one positive they can take away is they're still, um, you know, at least you can say they're decent at search right now, despite whatever's happened since the major. Um, that was the mode we saw them be super effective in at the major, and um, it's the one mode we saw them take here in this match in particular. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on uh, how LAG continues to perform with Gunless back in the lineup. But, um, yeah, it just seems like, you know, a case of Florida showing their slaying power and uh, taking those respawns here. 
uh, at this point, so I'm not including their final Paris match of the week. Um, so, uh, so with the Pro-Am Classic and the first three qualifying matches, uh, LAG were two and seven in hardpoint, three and five in search, and zero and six in control, um, which is you know pretty shocking to be honest. Uh, but it's like they were a, a pretty good hardpoint team with Gunless in the lineup before uh, he had to step out, and they weren't a great hardpoint team with Spart, but a great search and destroy team. So there's like that trade-off where you know if you can take the first and uh, the first map, obviously you probably have a increased chance of winning the series just like based on t uh, statistics, but. Um, you know, like search is obviously the if you get to game five, having that uh, search and destroy prowess is obviously very uh, much needed. Um, they just seemingly haven't been able to uh, recapture that um, uh, since the major, which I think they were. I think a lot of the the stuff at the major was momentum and just no pressure being added on them. I think that played a factor. Obviously, they played super well, but like the outside factors of you're going into a major with no expectations because you're playing with a substitute and uh, you know you lose your first match so there are really you know you're just playing to win you're not like you're not thinking if you're like some someone like optic where they're expected to win these tournaments and stuff like the added pressure of that i don't think there was a lot of pressure maybe they put that on themselves uh but personally i don't think they had a lot of pressure um at the major and they just haven't seemed to be able to recapture the magic they had at the major, which is kind of expected. That was a six match win streak in the losers bracket of a major is pretty incredible and unlikely to happen uh, anytime soon. Um, because I think the biggest losers bracket run before that was a uh, hundred thieves in the black ops four uh, champ uh, uh, champs event where they ran through the losers bracket before losing in the grand finals. Uh, that kind of stuff just doesn't happen very often every few years, maybe. Um, so I, I think that uh, right now LAG just need to go back to or try to find a way to win at least one game mode consistently like they did before gunless had to leave if it's hard point it's a search even if it's control quite honestly like that would help just being able to like ex at least extend a series to a game four maybe a game five i think that's a really helpful uh thing to focus on but it's a lot easier said than done obviously yeah. uh, um, but yep, yeah, that was it for Friday. Saturday, we had four matches, Paris versus New York, uh, LAT versus Seattle, Minnesota versus Florida, and Atlanta versus Boston. Three of these four matches were sweeps. Uh, so New York uh, swept Paris, Seattle swept LAT uh, in an upset, at least in my eyes. Um, Minnesota beat uh, Florida 3-1, and then Atlanta swept Boston in the final match of the day. Uh, does did anything stick out to you in these matches, uh, particularly these sweeps? Uh, not necessarily. No, I don't. I don't think there's too much to talk about. At least in terms of the uh, New York sweep over Paris, um, I think that's pretty expected. I think you also yeah. expect Atlanta to beat Boston. I don't know if you necessarily expect a sweep, but it's not surprising in my eyes. Uh, the Seattle 3-0 sweep over the Thieves was very surprising to me. Even though I picked Seattle, I was fully expecting to be wrong there. Um, but it, it just seemed like a case of uh, that, like, you know, we, we've talked about how uh, 
Seattle can be one of those teams that like some days they're on, some days they're off, and it just seemed like this was a time they were on. Um, I think Kenny, I'm going to look real quick. I think Kenny was tweeting something about like the servers they were on or something like that. Uh, yeah, he said, GG Seattle, we lost 3-0. Actually hilarious how bad the servers feel in matches, but excuses, excuses. Got to find a way to translate scrims to matches. Um, so th that could play a factor. Uh, you know, obviously the Thieves competing from Cali, I believe Seattle is in Texas, so it's not as bad as you would expect for like, you know, Cali to Atlanta or uh, Cali to Florida, but regardless, that's just something that's going to pop up in online matches and shouldn't take away from Seattle's win, although it could, you know, have played a factor in the caliber of the win of like compared to a 3-0 three, a to like a 3-2. Uh, end of the day, though, Seattle got the job done, so shout out to them. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, in the three qualifying matches LAT has had so far, they swept London, then were swept by Minnesota, and then were swept by Seattle. So all all three of their series have been three O's, um, which I guess you could explain it as uh, if if they wanted to go down that route. I don't. I hate the excuse of the internet because it's just like kind of the fact of life in uh, competitive COD at this point, but. Uh, London, I believe, are based in North Carolina, um, and then obviously LATs in California. It's cross country. Uh, Minnesota is based in Minnesota. The the players are based in Minneapolis. That's a a pretty big. It's basically Chicago to LAT or uh, to LA um, split right there. And then, like you said, Seattle. I think they're in Texas. I mean, Texas to LA is closer, but still can be um, hard, especially for the California teams, but that's kind of to be expected at this point, especially with the LA based teams, because we saw it with, um, with slasher when he was with LAT, he complained nonstop about the internet issues, uh, just based in, based in California, uh, because it's just kind of like teams are, it's gamesmanship. Like teams are trying to make sure that they have the advantage or at least don't have a disadvantage when it comes to ping. Um, that's just kind of how it is at this point. And, uh, you know, LAT has got to figure out a way to, um, win these matches regardless of, uh, their internet issues because they probably are legitimate, but it's, uh, it's going to be hard and it doesn't really get any easier for them, I guess, because they're playing, boston this week so like that's a i th i think they're all based in boston or i think actually they're probably based in texas uh no, they're in boston now so it, if they're based in boston like that's literally the biggest like di uh you know distance that you could get and uh they also play optic and optic is based in texas the same as seattle so um it, it doesn't get a lot easier for them it's just figuring out a way to to fight through it and hope that, you know, the internet gods are on your side at least, uh, that time. Um, do you have anything before we move on? I was just, they play two matches this week. They play Boston and optic. And yeah, that's what I said. Obviously. Oh, okay. I missed the optic part. Um, so that them sitting at one and two with a three, six map count and two on paper, tough matchups, we could be looking at the Thieves starting another major in the loser's bracket. Um, so uh, it will be interesting to see how they perform, but we can it, touch on that later too. 
yeah, it's especially disappointing if they do end up going one and four because they just went to the grand finals of the Pro-Am Classic. It seemed to like renew some hope in the roster after this role change between Draza and Kenny that things had been smoothed over. They had been able to get through the issues that seemed to plague them through the second set of qualifying matches uh, and a little bit at the major despite, um, I guess, a win there. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I don't... Like their their results in these qualifying matches are like making me question obviously like how legitimate the Pro M Classic actually even is. I mean, I was questioning that uh, either way of like how big of an effect will this have or like how big of an indicator could this be about how these teams will come out and play in uh, the actual matches. But I mean, LAC they finished second and now they've been swept twice. There's a very real chance that they'll lose to Optic. We'll see about Boston. Um, that's more of a toss-up than their Optic series. But um, but like you said, there's a good chance, or at least a decent chance, that they'll go 1-4 uh, and four, um, with their only win being London, who very well might end up in uh, the, the loser's bracket as well. So um, I don't really know what to take away from the Prime Classic, especially with LAT's results. Um do you have anything else about uh, these other matches on Saturday? So uh, Paris versus New York is obvious. Uh, LAT losing is pretty surprising. Um, I guess like Atlanta kind of uh, just like at this point, they looked pretty good. Um, and I think personally, I think this just kind of reinforces what I thought about Boston. Um, it's just like they are a upper to mid tier team. So they're like a, fifth, sixth, maybe a fourth, fifth kind of team. Um, they're n really not going to beat like the best teams in the league uh, very often. Um, but they're like a, in the NFL, they're, they're like a good, like eight and nine, nine and eight team. Like they're maybe squeaking into the playoffs. Sometimes uh, like injuries can derail things, but I think that Boston, um, they, they're kind of a, a solidly mid-tier team at this point. And I'll go back to what we, I, I know I've said it multiple times on this podcast now, but anything better than last, anything above last place is better for Boston for the situation they were in. For coming in yeah. to the league, the last team, to be able to form a roster, basically picking from everybody else who was just available and not on a pro team at the time. Mm -hmm. um, they, they've exceeded a lot of people's expectations. And um, regardless of their end result, they, they got to for first year in the CDL, they got to be proud of what they've accomplished so far. Absolutely. Um, final three matches of the week. We had Paris and LAG. Uh, LAG, they won 3-2, uh, like I mentioned earlier. Optic, they beat Atlanta 3-1 with Pro Loot instead of Illy. And uh, New York and uh, Toronto went at it, and the Ultra were able to pull out the 3-2 win um, despite having a substitute of their own. Uh, let's start at the... Uh, do you have anything before we move on to the optic Atlanta stuff, um, do you want to talk about Paris LAG? I don't think we need to talk about it too much. Um, I'm obviously a little surprised it went to full, uh, game five there. And, uh, you know, Paris took the game one hard point on Bokeh 250, 183. They win Gavutu control three, two. So they were up two one in the series. Um, but you know, the Gorillas win two searches again, 6-4 on Desert Siege and Bokage, and they take that 
uh, game four hard point to force the game five and they close it out there. So um, just goes back to what we were mentioning earlier with search still being seemingly the uh, best mode for the squad, whether gunless or Spart is in the lineup. And uh, Paris, um, this is unfortunate because it's their second game five loss of this set of qualifying matches. They had a game five loss against London in their first match and then against LAG as well. Um, and if you're not including the Pro-Am Classic, that this is their uh, fifth consecutive loss. And I believe this is their ninth out of 10, like ninth loss out of the last 10 matches. Obviously they only have two wins, so that's kind of like how it works, but um, a pretty difficult road for them, especially uh, because, you know, they, they look decent at times and they look like they're able to, they're going to be able to pull it off and then it just doesn't work out like that. Um, so a, a pretty disappointing uh, result for Paris, but uh, if you're a Paris Legion fan, if you're uh, one of the, um, I won't say few, but I will say one of the Paris Legion fans. Um, if you're one of those people like uh, Michael Merchant, then uh, you're probably not too happy about the result, but that's just kind of how it goes. Um, you Let's talk about Atlanta Optic because everybody was looking forward to this. Obviously, two biggest uh, organizations, but uh, Optic, they were coming in. Um, still with Prolu uh, in place of Illy. Illy's still out with his thumb injury. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter that uh, Optic wasn't at quote-unquote full strength. And Atlanta was uh, a 3-1 victory for Optic. And this is now uh, Atlanta's third different uh, third loss to a different Optic lineup. Um, which is just... I don't know, like, especially with how Atlanta has been able to kind of overpower Optic at various points during the CDL um, in the first two seasons, for it to go like this now, that Atlanta just seemingly can't beat Optic. Um, what do you think, like, uh, like, first we have to give our props to Prolute, right? Because he's come in and he's performed far past, like, uh, you know, realistic expectations. Like if they had lost, you know, a, a match or two, like I think it would have been very understandable, but they look very, very good. And I think there was even some chatter about Prolu replacing Illy. I don't personally think that, but I did see that on social media that people were questioning whether Illy should be able to come back from his injury and replace Prolu. Um, what what's your thoughts on the matter, and uh, what do you think about optics win over phase? Yeah, I mean this is, we we talked about it last week when we were just going over Prolu, like trying make this is his shot, right? And he's yeah. got to capitalize on on the opportunity he's been given. That's what we were saying last week, and you know a marquee win like this against Atlanta is exactly what you needed uh, if you're in his shoes, and especially. Uh, Looking at his stats, he went 90 and 65 and with a 1.38 overall KD. Had the most kills, only beating Shotzi by one, but he had the most kills and the highest KD in this series. Again, you know, regardless of what you think of Optic or Atlanta, these are the two best teams in the game in most people's eyes. So whether you have Atlanta at one, Optic at two, or vice versa, like Prolute is playing against the best team he can play against in his third game now in the CDL and he's putting mm -hmm. up numbers like that against a really strong team. Like that's definitely, you know, what you want to see out of him and just for, for his longevity and potential future in the league. Like that's gotta be, that's something every other GM 
in the league should be like, damn, like, you know, we might be, we might have to give this guy a call come next year, start of uh, MW2 season. So um, I think there was even like a clip I saw in like the post game interview after this of like Hastro giving him something to sign. Uh, I don't know how legit that was or like if it was actually a contract, but like if, if optics uh, going to lock him down for the rest of the season, I think that's obviously a smart move. And regardless of uh, when Illy comes back, I think first off, like, you know, when Illy's healthy, he immediately comes back into the lineup. Like, it's unfortunate if Prolute's playing this well, and uh, that's what happens. But, you know, end of the day, it's still, you know, Illy's really close with Shotzi and, you know, had success. He's a world champ, uh, close with Dashy too. So, like, it, it might be unfortunate on paper for Prolute, but, you know, that that's got to be... There had to be some communication coming into this. I feel that, um, you know, this wasn't like a long term solution. It's really just Prelude's getting shot to play until Illy is ready to return. So um, I think, I, I don't think there's any serious conversations around that. And we, we've just recently seen with LAG, even though uh, they had the sub buff and they win uh, Major Two, Spart wins MVP. Uh, as the sub, and then they recently have their struggles. Like the the same thing could happen uh, with Optic if they decide to keep Prelude in the lineup. Not saying it will, but it, it, I mean, the the example is there. Um, so yeah, I think this is you know it's a, it's the best possible outcome for Prelude. That's for sure, and it's also the best possible outcome for Optic with. Um, you know, Illy might not be that guy who drops huge numbers like Shotzi or Dashi, but um, he's just extremely important to the composition of the team and, you know, their their strategical approach and uh, all that leadership, the, the intangibles is what he really brings to the squad. So um, I expect to see him back in the lineup whenever he is ready to, but if Prolo keeps playing this way, that could give Illy more time to heal. Depending, we still don't really know exactly what his injury is or, um, you know, all that jazz. So, um, obviously, we wish him a speedy recovery. But you know, it, it's a different story if we're sitting here in optics 0 and three and Prolute's dropping like a point five, right? Then they're probably trying to yeah. rush Illy back, or maybe they're talking about general coming back in. Um, but you don't have to worry about that if Prolute's playing like this against arguably the best team in the game. Yeah, and uh, I think that with Optic winning this match, so uh, in the season standings, FaZe is still number one uh, at the top of the standings, but they are now only five points ahead of Optic for first place. Um, so Optic, they've played uh, 21 total matches. FaZe has played 23. Um, I think that is... Uh, so like... And, and that's obviously due to the major and everything. Um, but Optic has a very good chance of overtaking uh, Atlanta. So if FaZe loses one or Optic wins one, or uh, depending on how the major goes, if, if Optic can um, outplace FaZe, then uh, they can sneak into that number one spot, which is like the best case scenario, especially with Illy's injury, that even with a substitute, Optic is not only maintaining their spot as the second place team, but they're actually gaining ground on Atlanta for that first seed, which is obviously going to become even more important as we get to the end of the season, where those standings 
and those seeds for uh, champs become like the most important thing on uh, t on on everybody's minds. So um, you know, five points back right now. I was looking up uh, you know uh, pro loot stats while um, you were talking, and in search he that's where he's been making like his biggest impact. Uh, he has a team high one point seven three search and destroy KD. Um, which is you know the highest of the team he has a 0.93 kills per round which is the highest of their team um, and he has 30% uh, of the team's uh, total kills in that game mode while having the least um, you know the least number of deaths on the team so it's a it's a pretty big thing for them obviously search and destroy historically for optic has been the weak point of their team uh, but we've seen this year that you know they're I would still say it's their weakest game mode of their three, but they've uh, been able to kind of tread water more. They've been able to hold their ground. Um, before uh, Pro Loot came into this, and I'm not counting the Pro Am Classic or the Kickoff Classic, um, they were 14 and 11 in Search and Destroy, uh, with Tuscan being uh, Tuscan and Berlin being their best maps. Um, they haven't played Tuscan yet with Prolute, but they're two and zero on Berlin Search with Prolute. Uh, they're one the Search and Destroy loss with him. The only map loss they have with him so far is Bokid Search and Destroy. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they play as you know if they have to play Gavutu or they have to play Tuscan with Prolute and see how that works out. Um, they've also only played one of the control maps so far. They've just played Berlin. 3-0, um, which isn't surprising considering they're literally the best uh, control team in the entire game uh, before uh, the Pro-Am Classic. So um, I think it, it is a great opportunity, and I'm glad that Pro-Loot is making the most of it because like players like this, players that have really grinded in the Challengers circuit and done what they needed to do, um, I'm glad that uh, Prolute at very least is getting his opportunity and I hope that this incentivizes teams to make a similar decision and if things aren't working out obviously this is not the case for Optic but other teams if it's not working out bring in someone like Prolute or maybe uh, we saw it with Spart. Spart was um, a substitute and playing in challengers and then was brought up and was able to win a major. Stuff like that can happen. And uh, I think that teams just need to be more open to that idea. And obviously, challengers players are probably cheaper than the pro league, uh, the regular uh, CDL players. So if that's the, the route you want to go down, then um, I think it's a, a financial decision as well. Um, but yeah, Optic able to beat Atlanta just now five points away from first place. Um, the, the last match of the week, uh, New York versus Toronto. So you went with New York. I went with the Ultra. I, uh, I don't know if we really gave any reasonings behind this, but personally, I thought that New York's run at the Prime Classic was, uh, not, was not a great indicator of like what team they could be. Uh, after the Prime Classic, because I just think that's a completely different format. It's not it's not a one to one with the CDL, obviously. Uh, but this was we made those predictions before we knew that um, Scrappy would be making his CDL debut uh, for Insight, who was dealing with food poisoning. So best of luck to uh, Insight. I've been there, done that. I don't really like doing it. Um, it's a, a horrible experience. But um, 
uh, Insight was out, Scrappy came in, and I wasn't too sure about what to expect from him because we've really only seen him, um, you know, personally, I'm not watching a lot of challengers, but we saw him at the Prime Classic. Um, you didn't really see him, but I saw him at the Prime Classic. His team did very well. They performed very admirably, uh, but that's also, like I said, with New York, a very different format, a different team, obviously, is with the Academy roster, uh, but they were able to win uh, the Ultra where they were able to win this uh the series 3-2 um, to kind of bounce back after uh, a pretty poor performance earlier in the week. Um, what do you think of this uh, performance? Uh, how did you think that Scrappy did um, filling in for Insight, who's uh, a very tough player to feel, fill in for considering how talented he is? I'm, I mean, statistically, he filled in just fine. Went 115 and 91, uh, tied with Kismet for the most kills in the series, had the most kills on Toronto. Uh, and also, that's a 1.26 overall KD, which is the highest KD in the series. Um, even though this was the last series of the weekend, I'm really having a tough time remembering it. But um, just looking at these stats, like six of the uh, eight players in the series had over 100 kills. So, like, this is a bloody series. That, you know, both searches were only 6-3. Um, but, you know, it came down to the wire, both hard points. Uh, were over 200 points by both teams. The control went to game five, or round five, excuse me. So um, it was definitely a close series. And I think my thought process, at least in the pr predictions, um, was just, you know, we, we Toronto's hard point struggles are well documented at this point. Yeah. Um, the new iteration of New York seemed to be playing better in hard point. So that was just um, where I was thinking in that regard but you know toronto wins both searches they're able to steal the game for a hard point when their two searches search wins uh stayed major three online qualifier matches <laughs> uh so i i found this interesting that toronto since the prime classic so they played three matches so far they've lost all three controls in those series but they're four and two in hard point and four and two in search which is obviously a incredible it's an incredible improvement over what they were doing prior to uh, the prime classic like they were i think new york and toronto were probably the worst hard point teams maybe paris just based on how poorly they play in like all of this uh game modes but like toronto basically was being held back by their hard point game and if they're able to win I, I know this is a small sample size there are only a handful of hard points uh there are only six point hard point maps uh in this uh sample but like if they're able to at least split their hard point games like that's a that's a big a big jump for them and they're probably able to win a lot more series um than than they did in the first two stages um they were literally uh, probably the most surprising team for me that didn't make a roster change in the midseason break because I was convinced like there's got to be some kind of change coming like here because they were they were slipping down the standings and I didn't know if they were gonna be able to even like you know uh, stay like within the top eight. I thought they might slip into the ninth or something, but um, I think there's a very good chance that they're able to stay in the top eight, especially if they're just able to be even mediocre in hard point at this, at, at this stage of the, uh, of the CDO. Um, now that we've said that 
let's uh, just run through the predictions. We talked about all the teams, so we don't really need to give a lot of backgrounds on uh, any of our picks. Uh, so we have uh, three matches on Friday, May 27th. Uh, starting off, we have Paris versus Toronto. Then we have Seattle versus Florida and Minnesota versus Atlanta to finish out the day. Uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to go with Toronto. Uh, I do not believe in the Paris Legion, so I'm never going to pick them unless they win something. I'm going with Toronto, too. <laughs> Uh, Seattle versus Florida. Uh, both teams uh, performed pretty well uh, this past week. I'm going to go with Florida. As you know, I'm a I'm a wishy washy Florida guy, so I I need to you know back the Mutineers. Hopefully, they're able to figure out their consistency stuff and uh, and bounce back or not bounce back, but you know keep winning. I'm going to go with Seattle. You know, I picked them last week against the Thieves, expecting them to let me down. They didn't, so I will pick them again here. Also expecting them to let me down and potentially uh, give you a, a little boost in the uh, prediction race. Uh, so the last match of uh, Friday, Minnesota versus Atlanta, which is a more interesting series uh, because Atlanta, they're coming off of the optic loss. Minnesota heading in with an undefeated record uh, into the final week. I'm going to go with Atlanta, but I'm... The, and the reason I am is not that I don't believe in Minnesota, but I think that like if they went down 0-2 to Atlanta the same way they went down 0-2 to Toronto, FaZe finishes them and they win that series where the Ultra, like they're, they're not like obviously not great at control, not great at hard point, um, a little bit better at search, but I think that Atlanta would have finished them off in that scenario. So I'm going to go with FaZe on this one. I'm going with phase two. Um, it would be a cool storyline for yeah. Minnesota to go 5-0, but I'm expecting Atlanta to take this one. Uh, four matches on Saturday, uh, Atlanta vers uh, versus LAG, London versus Toronto, LAT versus Boston, and New York uh, going up against Optic in the final match of the day. Uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta at the top against the Gorillas. Um, it's pretty yep. simple. Yep. Uh, London versus Toronto. I'm going to go with Toronto. I can't really uh, believe in London right now, so um, the Ultra are a safer pick here. Me too. Uh, LAT versus Boston. I'm going to go with LAT. I think that they figure out their issues. Maybe the internet gods work in their favor. Uh, <laughs> they get a good server or something, and they're able to pull out a win. I'm going to go with Boston. All right, and uh, New York versus Optic. Definitely not picking uh, against Optic at this point. Um, they've they deserve even with a substitute. They deserve my respect. Yep, no Optic. Uh, final three matches of the weekend and the final three matches of this stage: uh, Seattle versus London, Florida versus Boston, and Optic versus LAT. Uh, I'm going with Seattle over London. I can't I, if I'm not picking uh, London to beat Toronto. I'm probably not going to pick them to beat the Surge. Yep, I'm going with Seattle too. Florida versus Boston. I'm I'm a Florida man. Going with Florida. I'll go Boston. And the final match is Optic versus LA Thieves. Um, we've seen LAT surprisingly win a few of these matches between the two teams so far, but I am not buying it. I'm going with Optic. I'm I'm disappointed in you. You didn't say our official name for this match. The uh, Ego Chat Podcast is presenting the HBR Classic, part <laughs> five, I think, of this season. Whatever part it is, I'm going with Optic. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yep. So uh, that is our predictions. Uh, to remind you, our prediction scores from this season. So Bink is sixty-one and forty-five. He went seven and three last week. I also went seven and three. That you know, I've been uh, a game or a match behind for like three weeks now or three consecutive predictions. So I'm sixty and forty-six. But um, I mean, we we were different on a few of them, uh, particularly with Florida. Um, yep. maybe that'll, that'll help me, um, this weekend, or maybe I'll be, you know, five games down, uh, starting next week. Um, but yeah, that does, uh, that does it for the episode. So subscribe or follow or like, uh, the, the podcast feed we're on Apple, Google, Spotify, all those other ones. Um, we're also on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe, like the video, share the video, uh, and make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter. He's at jbink with two Ks. I'm at Prez Byers, and the podcast Twitter is at EgoChowPodcast. The next show is uh, set for May 31st, um, and uh, you know that depends on how many dingers uh, Bink can hit in softball, and uh, we'll see uh, how the schedule turns out then. Um, but yeah, that does it for me and uh, take away Bink. We also uh, have Memorial Day weekend coming up. So uh, for all of our viewers, listeners in the U.S., hope you have a happy Memorial Day weekend. Um, I don't really have any plans in particular. I don't know if you do, but that could affect um, our schedule for the show. But obviously, like he, Preston said, uh, best place to know when we're going live is on the Ego Child Twitter. So uh, if you guys aren't already following that one, please give it a follow, and then you'll know as soon as we let you know when uh, the next episode will be. But yeah, uh, like Preston said, thank you guys as always for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this one. We got one more weekend coming up here of these online matches before we get to our third uh, major of the season, which kind of seems... I, I know we had a long break uh, in the middle, but it's kind of weird to think we're already almost at that third major. Not only one more tournament after that, and then champs. So, um, Vanguard season slowly coming to an end, and uh, we'll be here to recap it for you the rest of the way. So, hope you guys enjoyed, and as always, remember to send the chow.